Hello, everybody. So today our reading is from Colossians 1. If you want to follow it in your Bibles, it might come up on a screen, or maybe not. (laughs) Okay, so it's starting at Colossians 1, verse 24. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious, mis- the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit, and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, thank you so much, Sue. Good afternoon. How are you? All right, I hope. I'm all right, so that's good. Um, Great, I'm Bob. If we haven't met, um, it's... It's lovely, uh, it's lovely to see you. I'd love to meet you afterwards. Uh, I am one of the team here. I'm officially the curate, which means, I don't know what that means really, but anyway, I'm learning how to do church and lead church uh, in a wonderful place. And um, this is an amazing passage of scripture, uh, which um, I'm so excited to unpack with you today. So if you've, if you've got a Bible somewhere near you, just encourage you to grab it, uh, turn to it. If it's on your phone, feel free to get that out. Do a few texts as we go. I don't mind. Um, But uh, we're going to pray and ask God to speak to us through his word. Um, So let's pray. Father, we we ask that you come by your spirit now and move in our hearts and uh, do what only you can do, which is show us the fullness of Jesus and of who you are and of all that you've done. And Jesus, would you move our hearts as you do that into action? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Great. So, yes, we're reading from Colossians 1. And Sue, thank you so much for, uh, for reading that this morning. We've been looking through this, this letter that we, that have, uh, that's called Colossians, or written to the church in Colossae. And um, John 
unpacked it for us, or the beginning of it for, for us a couple of weeks ago. And Jen, if you were here last week, unpacked the next stage. And what we've basically discovered so far is that it's written by Paul, the Apostle Paul. So if you don't know who he is, it's a big deal in the, in the church and written a lot of the New Testament and the letters particularly that we find in it, but other books too. And, um, and Paul's writing this letter from prison. So first century AD, he's writing this letter from prison, but he's writing to a church, a group of people, that he actually doesn't know very well. So he didn't plant the church originally. It was planted by someone else. Um, and uh, Epaphras, we're told, is the person who planted the church. But, but Paul is writing to them with this like, amazing level of affection and love, even though he doesn't really know them personally. And... Uh, and he's going through, talking to them. Um, John was sort of unpacking for us uh, at, at the beginning of this letter. He sort of like expresses his love for them and then how they can be fruitful in the gospel and, and what it means to really bear fruit. And then Jen unpacked for us last week um, this kind of like incredible cosmic view that Paul outlines for the church in Colossae. So like that Jesus Christ is, is bigger than you could basically ever imagine. Like what he is his, his enormity, his cosmic supremacy. And, uh, and I just want to read you the passage that Jen, some of the passages that Jen unpacked for us last week because it's so good. It talks about Jesus being the image of God, the one in whom and through whom all things were created, visible and invisible. I'm reading from Colossians 1, a bit, bit earlier than we've, what we've just read today. It says, Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and in him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head, the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything we might have the, he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So Jen unpacked that passage for us last week, this like incredible view of who Jesus Christ is and kind of like how far and wide his, his reach stretches and you know that he just, he's in everything. Through him everything was made and created. And then Paul moves on to this section which Sue just read for us. And I want to start by zooming in on a phrase that you might be familiar with within that passage. That it's in verse 27 and uh, and he says uh, to the church in Colossae that, that to them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, I want to focus on this sort of like idea of mystery for a minute. Now, I've got a photo that's going to come up uh, on the screen if Josh is able to spring it up. Not that she's a mystery to me. This is my daughter, uh, Libby. And uh, Libby, here we were at the, um, at the rugby the other week watching uh, the England ladies play against uh, the USA and demolish the USA. Actually, it was great. Ian was there. Ian uh, was uh, the artist here. And he's done a very good job, I think. But um, Libby came home to us a little while ago from, um, from preschool. And uh, she was very excited to sit mummy and daddy down and big sister, and she, she did this thing with us, and she said, um, she, she came up to me, and she said, Daddy, put your, hands, put your hands like this, this is the sole reason I'm wearing this microphone today, so I can do this illustration, by the way, so she said, put your hands like this, 
And I, so I did. And she said, um, oh, no, no, sorry. She put her hands like this. Get, get this right. She put her hands like this. And then, and then she said, Daddy, some of you might know this. Daddy, I want you to li- lift the lid. So I sort of lifted the lid like, the, like this. And she said, Daddy, put your, put your finger in. So I, I put my, my finger in. And then she said, Daddy, wiggle your finger around like this. So I wiggled my finger around like this. And then she said, okay, take your finger out. Close the lid. And then she just looked at me and smiled. She went, thank you for cleaning my toilet. <laughs> and, and ran off in the other direction, giggling. And I burst out laughing as well, so I thought, that's genius. And how have you remembered all those different stages as a, as a four, well, three-year-old she was then? Um, but the, the, idea, the idea that she, she knew something that I didn't about what was going on in, in, in that moment, right? She, there was like a mystery that she was aware of, a secret that she had, and uh, she wasn't letting me in on it until the moment, you know, after I'd really made a fool of myself uh, in front of her. And, and knocking around the first century at the time that Paul's writing, there are lots of sort of like mystery religions where there are secrets uh, upon secrets, upon secrets, upon secrets. And as you delve deeper into these religions, you get given more of the secret. But you never have the whole secret, just another piece of the secret until you become holier or wiser or more, you know, enter deeper into one of these religions and, and you become more and more enlightened. You always, you always get a crumb of the cake, but never the full cake. And Paul, when he's writing this letter, he is saying, by using this word mystery, he said, he's like, what this is, what I'm explaining to you, flies in the face of everything that those things are. That Jesus Christ has been revealed all at once to us. The mystery, the secrets are all out of the bag. They've all been made known, not just to some, but to all in Jesus Christ. That's what he came to do uh, as the fullness of God. And and then um, I wanted just to unpack what this mystery is that he's, he's talking about. So if you've got your Bible, flick back with me um, to, to the letter to the Ephesians, okay? So it's just a few pages, it'll be a few pages back in your Bible from Colossians, and we're going to read from Ephesians chapter 3, okay, from verse, I'm going to read from verse 4. Don't worry if you haven't got it, I'll read it for you. But this is Paul writing again, but to another church, explaining the mystery that he's talking about. So Ephesians 3, uh, verse 4. He says, in reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. The mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promised of Christ Jesus. So the mystery is that the gospel is not just for the people of Israel, but for the Gentiles too. If you know your, your Bible history, um, then um, you might remember or you might know this character that uh, we know as Abraham or, or Abram in the, in the Bible. And Abram um, is chosen by God to be like the first person within this family. Well, not quite the first person, but kind of like the starting again of this family that is going to be God's people. And, and God says to Abraham, um, even at 99 years old, he says, I'm going to bless you and make you kind of fruitful. You're going to multiply. There are going to be nations that come out of you. Abraham. I'm going to change your name to Abraham. 
and uh, I will make nations come out of you. Kings will come out, out of you, it says in Genesis 17. And my covenant will be an everlasting covenant between me and you. And then, he says, um, uh, the whole land of Canaan, so this huge land uh, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give you as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Right, so anyone listening to this letter knows that the promised people, like the chosen people, descend from this guy Abraham, or, or Abraham originally. And if you follow the story through, uh, Abraham's promise, this promised land, this place that's going to be an amazing place to live in, where God's presence, his, his people are going to be there, his presence is going to be there, his blessing is going to be there. And then we hear about uh, other characters, uh, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, who ends up in Egypt. You might know that story. And then, after years and years and years, Moses, who comes to lead the people uh, out of Egypt and take them to the promised land. So the promised land is this big feature that where, where God's people want to get to, where God's people are in God's presence and, and, and living in a place of God's provision and God's blessing. And so eventually, this group of people are drawn out. They become a nation. Moses leads them out. And they settle eventually, after a little while, in the promised land. And they finally experience this land of milk and honey. This place where God's, they're God's people in God's presence, experiencing God's provision and his blessing. And if you know the story, after a while, that, that kind of dream, that vision, that reality gets upset. As God's people chase after other gods and they get corrupted by other things as well. And it kind of becomes this dull reflection of what it's really meant to be. And the people there find themselves waiting, waiting for a Messiah who's going to restore things to the way they should be. So the destination for this group of people no longer is a place but a person. The destination for us as Christians is not a place, it's a person. And Jesus Christ is that person. He is the destination for us as Christians. The mystery that has been hidden for generations but has now been made known is that God's promised land or God's promised person where you can experience what it is to be his, his people in his presence and in his blessing, is no longer just a thing for descendants of Abraham. It's a thing for everyone. That is the mystery that has been made known. Where before God chose one person, let's say God chose Paul over here. God chose Paul like he chose Abraham. Everyone else was out of that equation, but Paul's family and Paul's people were going to be the people that experienced God's blessing, God's place, God's provision. That's the way it had been for generations and generations and generations. But suddenly the mystery that has been made known is that it's no longer just for Paul and his family. It's for all of us. It's for everyone. That what Jesus Christ has come to do is blow open wide like the barriers, the boundaries of God's blessing and his love and his, uh, the extension or his invitation. Every single person on this earth is being invited into that good news, into the gospel. It's no longer just for descendants of Abraham to know what it is to be a people under God 
and to live in God's presence, to experience God's presence and to experience his provision and his blessing. So out of his love for us, God sent Jesus to live and to die and and to conquer death, defeating evil so that everyone, not just a select nation, would receive that invitation. Christ has opened up a way to God. And not only that, but this passage reminds us that the, the other absolutely astounding thing is that for those who say yes to Jesus, who accept that invitation, uh, Christ has come to dwell in them, the hope of glory. To have God live in us. Uh, I remember we, um, we used to live in, in, um, in Watford, just north of London. And... Um, uh, I had a friend who did a lot of work with um, homeless people in the, in the actually what was a town, so in the town, and um, there was one uh, uh, homeless man who came to faith um, and was so overwhelmed by um, just the enormity of what he'd been invited into, and, he, he, and just like his, he was so aware of his unworthiness, but God's great love for him, that when we would sing as a church, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound, he would shout it. He would shout, amazing grace, you know, from the front. He just couldn't believe it, that he had been chosen. He'd been invited. The, the, it wasn't just for a certain group of people who, could, who, who had a certain thing or a certain level of holiness, but it was an invitation that had been extended to him. And it was like every time we sang amazing grace, he'd go, amazing grace. You know, it would make people jump, you know, when he sort of shouted it. And they wonder what's going on. But it was just like an overwhelming sense of joy that, that, that love, that extension of God's love had been given to him and to everyone. Uh, it was just amazing. I love that. Okay, so what do we do? As, as God's people, many of us, will, we, we'll know that, we'll understand that. We, we kind of like, we're living or trying to live in the reality of that for us. But what do we do? Well, let's just turn back to the passage for a couple of like things that we can maybe like um, we can apply this week uh, out of the passage, and, and the first thing I want I want just want to draw your attention to, and I don't know whether it hit you like it hit me when I was reading it, but that just opening uh, verse in verse 24 where Paul says, "Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you." Did that hit anyone else like it hit me? I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. I asked myself the question this week, how, how much rejoicing is there for me in my suffering? As opposed to moaning often, which Tabby will often hear. How much rejoicing is there for me in the suffering? For Paul, I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. For Paul, there's a relationship, a joy, a rejoicing in his suffering because he knows Jesus has suffered. And somehow in his suffering, they are drawn closer together. Where Jesus has suffered and Paul is now suffering, they are together in the midst of that suffering. And so Paul can rejoice in the suffering for the mystery. How do we live out this stuff? When we are suffering for the mystery of the gospel, let's, let's rejoice. Let's remind ourselves that we are being drawn into the same place that Jesus was in suffering for the mystery. 
I um, had the privilege a little while ago, a few years back, of um, traveling to um, some different countries in Central Asia and um, with a group from the church that we were part of. And what, we were there um, to train and equip pastors in, um, in ministry of the Holy Spirit. So if you're part of this church, that'll be something that's familiar to you, of praying for people in the power of the Spirit, of uh, seeking uh, God's voice prophetically for different people and situations and that kind of stuff, and, and helping pastors over there work out how to kind of train their, their churches and stuff. It was absolutely amazing. But the, um, the, the thing that struck me about those countries is where it was illegal to, um, to evangelize or to talk to people about Jesus, the Christians there were incredibly active at telling people about Jesus. And, and I couldn't believe it. I was, I was like, guys, this is, um, this is amazing. And when, when, we, when I was there, they were, um, they were more concerned about me than they were about themselves, like times a thousand. So they had a plan for me. When I was preaching one night, um, they had a plan. If the police come and they, they, they sort of knock down the door or whatever they do, they come into the building, you go here and they showed me there's a secret like, room out the back and you can go out the back. And I was there sort of like, oh my goodness, you know, do we need, we need that? Okay, we're in that kind of place. But I was like, well, what will you do if I go out the back? And they were, they were just ready, ready to say, you know, we're, we're ready to, to, take, to count the cost for the gospel. We're ready to, to hand our lives over to these people uh, for the sake of this. And I just was blown away by their, the level of, um, of willingness to, su- to suffer for the sake of the gospel and the joy even in the midst of that. They were the most joy-filled people even in the midst of the persecution and the pain. And it's always challenged me, you know, um, how, how do I live out of that knowledge of knowing those people are there and knowing the, the risks they're willing to take? So that's number one, suffering for the mystery. Are we willing to suffer for the mystery? Number two, there's only three, just to warn you, okay? Uh, we've got to understand, we've got a commissioning for the mystery too. So like Paul, verse 25, he says, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present the word to present to you the word of God in its fullness. Jesus came to earth and he showed people what God was like. He healed the sick. He set people free. He raised the dead. He brought the outcast back into community. And, and we as a church, we understand our commissioning is not just about gathering here on a Sunday and singing some songs and listening to a message and saying some prayers and being together. We know our commissioning is more than that, don't we? We, we, if you've been in the church for, for a while, you will have heard what we, our vision is about seeing on, uh, on earth as in heaven. We want heaven to come to earth in this city. That's what we're longing for, a commissioning. On a, we're on a mission together to see that happen, to see lives transformed through the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Greek word for gospel, you know, it, which means good or good news, uh, it's made up of two words, the Greek word. It's, it's something like euangelion. Anyone who knows Greek would know this better than me, I think. But eu, literally eu, means good. And angelion means announcement. We are holders, or like on a mission with a good announcement. There's something about like vocalizing that for me, that, that those kind of words start to like conjure up a thought of. Is my life a gospel life? 
do I want it to be a gospel life? If it's a gospel life, it's about being a good announcement wherever we go. When we go into our workplaces, our places, our families, are out on the street to get some lunch or whatever it is, wherever we go, if we're living a gospel life, it's about being a good announcement where we go, bringing the good news of God's kingdom. Sometimes that'll be in a, a physical way, maybe stopping someone and saying, can I pray for you? Do you feel like God's leading? Other times it'll be ready with a word to speak to them, to encourage them. Are we a people with a, like an awareness of that commissioning again? I just want to like ask the question, and I'm asking it of me too, okay? This isn't, a, and there's no, no um, you know, like sense of judgment here, just like I want to be more aware of that. I want to be a good announcement wherever I go. Um, whether I fill up my car in the petrol pump, Tesco's or whatever it is, I want to be a good announcement there. I want the good announcement to flow out of me and who, who, of who Jesus is. And I want to see on earth as in heaven as we pray. And lastly, um, later in, in chapter 2, the bit that Sue read for us that, that sort of dips into chapter 2, Paul writes this. He says, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love. My goal is that they may be, might be encouraged in heart and united in love. So if we're about suffering for the mystery and we've got a commissioning for the mystery, then this third point is about contending for the mystery. And when I mean contending, this, this point seems to be Paul is about strengthening and equipping this body of believers, giving them a platform from which they can go out and be in good announcement. It feels like he's praying for their togetherness, their heart together individually and, and, and together. He, he wants them to be encouraged in heart and united in love. And I think those characteristics underpin like a group of people who can really go and be a good, new, good, good announcement wherever they go, who could see the kingdom come. So my challenge to us all this week, and I include my, my, myself in this as well, is I want to ask you to go into bat for someone in this church, okay, to contend for them this week. So um, take a moment, maybe you look around. Who can you go into bat for this week and encourage them in heart and strengthen their unity in love? Who can you go into bat for this week that will give them a better platform to go out and uh, to make known the mystery of the gospel? As I've been um, reflecting on this, this passage this week, just the wonder of God's, like, the wonder of the mystery has like really hit me again like between the eyes that Jesus has made a way for everyone to have that invitation that he extends the invitation to everyone and I want to be about that as someone on a mission on this earth and part of a church that is on a mission I want to be about extending the invitation I want to be willing to suffer if it means suffering to extend that invitation I want to recognize each day that I've been commissioned for that task. And I want to build up our family here like this, us, that we might do that more and more and more. And I feel that's, that's what the Lord would have us think about today. Amen? Amen. All right. Why don't we stand together? Is that okay? And we'll just pray.
for a few minutes. And um, what we get, we're going to pray just that the Holy Spirit would fill us afresh for this and reignite like uh, something in our hearts. Um, so you might want to put your hands out in front of you. That's often like a, just a, like an outward symbol. Like, God, I'm going, to need, I'm going to need something here to do this. I want you. And I need your spirit to fill me to do this. And so, Father, we, um, we ask now, would you come by your spirit? And uh, Lord, we just invite you to, to do what you want to do in this place. And to move in our hearts. And flood our beings with your presence and your power. And why don't you just, in this moment between you and the Lord, just bring to him what you're thinking about right now. Maybe what you feel like he might have put his finger on as I've been speaking or. Just as we wait for a minute, I just wonder if you're on the prayer team and if you're really meeting with the Lord, stay meeting with the Lord. But if you're on the prayer team, would you just make your way forward? Everyone else, why don't you just stay? In a minute, um, just as you're as you're receiving, if you feel like a, like a real a sense of of a you want a recommissioning in some of this stuff, then today we'd love to pray with you. Love um, just to take a moment, just to maybe step forward uh, in a minute, just have someone pray with you. Grab someone around you if you're more comfortable with that. I think John and Owen have got a couple of words for us as well. Um. Yeah, it was just a slightly geeky picture. If you know um, the film Back to the Future, part two, um, he's, it's basically about a time machine, a car time machine goes in the future and there's adventures and stuff, but um, he comes back from the future and uh, the way the car is powered is you fill it, fill it up with rubbish, so Coke cans and rubbish um, crisp packets, you just put it in the car engine and it converts it into this energy and makes the thing work. Um, and I felt like there, there could be, I think it's one or two people here, do you, you feel like what you bring to God or what you think you can bring to God is rubbish. Um, and God does not see it like that. So you're offering and you're thinking, you're just feeling it quite low. Um, but what he does, he takes what you offer and he converts it into something beautiful and practical at the same time. Um, and just as a reminder that you are part of this body, we're all different, we all have different gifts, we all have different purposes, and um, to take your place in this body 
not to feel like you, you've separated yourself, but take your place in this body. You have something valuable to offer and that what God takes um, what you offer. He loves it and he, he will use it for his good. Thanks, Owen. So God speaks in a number of different ways in prayer through images and through words and that kind of thing. And I just had a particular sense of someone here who you are... Um, you're trying to uh, bring up the courage to tell your work colleagues that you're a Christian, you're a follower of Jesus, and you haven't done that yet. And I think that God, all, all that it means is that God is going to give you that opportunity and he's also going to give you that courage. But I would encourage you to ask someone just to lay a hand on your shoulder today and bless you with that courage. Okay, so God reveals things because he wants to rescue us and show us that we're not alone. And I had a feeling someone is suffering some disturbing dreams. And uh, these troubling dreams are making it difficult for you to uh, relax enough to go to sleep. And so if that applies to you, uh, come and find me. And we can get some people to pray for you because like God would want to help you with that. That's why he shows these things. Thanks. So... Some of those things quite specific, some quite general. If you know that God is speaking to you, that's a great opportunity to ask someone to pray with you. You could ask the person next to you to pray with you or ask some of these guys. We're going to do that in a sec. Those of you who have kids in groups, I'm going to have to ask you to pick them up in a second. But then you can come back and get prayed for as well. So I'm going to say a blessing. Then it'll be time to come and get prayed for, grab your kids or whatever. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. And the blessing of God Almighty, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit rest upon you now and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.